You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line, fresh off of GP Providence, we have Ethan Sachs, one of the team members of Hashtag Team Casual. How you doing? I'm great. How could I be anything other than great after that wonderful introduction? Yeah, man. I was so I was so jealous. I was like longingly looking at Twitter all weekend when I was at marching band thinking, man, I wish I was at GP. It seems like the place to be right now. <laughs> oh, man. It was really fun, actually, um, despite hashtag spoilers, uh, how our team did. But yeah, like as my first foray into live magic, I really enjoyed myself. I'm, I might have even maxed out on uh, magic for the weekend, which is Whoa. saying a lot for me. I know, I know. But it's just like... That's a long day of magic. That get there at 9 a.m. thing, that is a grind, my friend. Yeah, I I know exactly how you were feeling, I think, yeah. when you were, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on the GP. We, we haven't talked about this at all yet. So uh, yeah. can you can you tell me a little bit about like how you guys went about prepping for the GP? Sure. Okay, so um, we did a little bit of like getting on the same page before we arrived in Providence on Friday, which basically consisted of... Like I did a commons ranking sheet that I know you've seen that I sent out to them just to try and make sure we were kind of on the same page about what, where we were grouping commons so that when we were sorting our pools, it there wasn't anything like, whoa, why do you have this in the unplayables pile or whatever? Right. Just as like a discussion point for the team. Yeah, exactly. And th- the responses that I got from Sam and Justin, so I, I teamed, for people who don't know, I uh, went to the GP with two other Twitch streamers, Sandball49 and 11 Secret Herbs and Spices, whose name is Justin. Um, so their responses to that email, the spreadsheet, was they were basically on the same page. Like a couple different, like, I have this a little, little lower than you, I have this a little higher than you. But it was also really great that they were so invested in it also. Like they had clearly thought about it a lot. So then we arrived in Providence um, Friday, like late morning, early afternoon, and did a like practice event at the at the convention center, uh-huh. which was like fun practice to get it in like timed. We didn't have to register pools or anything, but it was good to like. Oh, so it was like an official thing through the GP. Yeah, so they had like warm up events. So like uh, you and three other teams would do a team sealed, and then it was like a Swiss event. Like you would. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And so we did that, and that was great. And we, we like, won our first round and then split prizes with the other team that won their first round and that. So, But it was, like, good practice. And then we just went back to our Airbnb and opened up. I think we I think we did a total of four practice pools, including the side event, um, in prep for the GP on Saturday. I think I caught your last one on Twitch. That was super cool that you guys were streaming that. Yeah, that was really fun. I mean, I know it was like hard, like the cards were far away and whatever, but uh, it was it felt felt like worth doing rather than worth not doing. So I felt we felt pretty good. It was also interesting. Like, so Sam had gone to GPs before, and Justin and I had not. So he was also good about, and he'd done team GPs as well. Um, so he felt that he was really good about asking us, like, like when we would be done building the pools, then be like, okay, what decks would people play? Right. And so it felt like going into the the event on Saturday that he was probably going to pilot the blue based like tempo aggro decks better than anyone else like and that's what he wanted to play. And we often I think all of our pools ended up with a white black vampire deck and Justin it felt like that was best for him and it felt like 
either the green ramp deck with dinos or it was going to be a green based like jank deck with whatever other good <laughs> cards we had and that was going to go to me and i think and that felt right like those decks were going to be like a bit grindier and i maybe a bit more difficult to pilot and also might be splashing multiple things and that is all stuff that i'm like comfortable with and the things sure. that i like to do in the format yeah yeah that um, makes sense. so that was also really nice that it it didn't feel like everyone was like well i want to play the pirate deck it felt like we all sort of slotted into the various we we sort of filled the gaps of the decks that the format offered which is kind of a bummer for what the this format does offer which is it only offers a handful of decks you're not seeing a lot of intricate things like Basically, all of our pools all had a green ramp deck with, like, dino payoffs or something like that. And then maybe green could split into green-blue merfolk, or green had to be by itself. We usually found that blue had its a main deck, so either that was going to be a blue-black or blue-red pirate tempo deck. Mm-hmm. And then we always found a black-white vampire deck. I mean, we just op- had happened to open up a bunch of payoffs. Yeah, I think, I think black-white is one of the most tribal things going on in the format like vampires and i think when it comes together in draft it's it's been pretty impressive yeah i mean you have you actually have a payoff at common with anointed deacon which a lot of these tribes don't have um and you have the like uncommon payoffs in the bishop that drains them and you've got the the one mana one one the sky march that uh pumps attacking yeah, pumps vampires, the attacking like, creatures yeah so you don't need to open like rares or mythics to feel like you get the payoffs. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing I feel pretty strongly about Black White Vampires. That's nice about it. And I think the other thing it does really well, not to get like too far ahead of ourselves here, but no. I think it I think it preys really well on Merfolk, which I think people have slotted as one of the best decks early on in the format. And I think the lifelink yep. from vampires is just super hard to overcome for the Merfolk deck. Yeah. Merfolk and if you have an aggro pirate deck, just like a lot of those aggro decks as we saw in aggro decks in Hour of Devastation, like they fold to incidental life gain. It's really hard to to combat that when your opponent crack is racing you and cracks you back for two and gains two off their 2-2 two, two bishop or whatever. Yeah. It sounded like you had the decks thought out that you were trying to build. Did you have any like big thoughts on the format going to the GP? Like, did you think it was aggressive? Did you think the team sealed was slower? What did you like? Any big, so... big th- broad ideas like that? As someone who had never played Team Sealed before, but it seemed like everyone was saying this, and this is what Sam said, and he was on my team, so I trusted him, that Team Sealed decks are often better than draft decks. And that was certainly my experience. The decks we saw from the pools that we built on Friday were better than the draft decks I had seen practicing online during the week. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, you have, you not only have the opportunity to open the rares that go in certain archetypes, like the... I'm forgetting what it's called, the Seeker of the Bloodstained or whatever, the hell- Hellbiter, as people are calling it. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the vampire that um, basically makes it so whenever your vampires attack, they drain your opponent. Sanctum Seeker. That's Sanctum the name Seeker, of it. thank you. Well done. Um, so when you open that in your 12 packs, you're probably going to be able to support it with a vampire deck, whereas if you open it in draft, you may that deck may not come together, or you may get cut or whatever, like... So we often found that you, if you opened the payoffs, you could support them. Um, so that sort of made sense that those decks did seem a little more powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, we we found that the decks that we were seeing in our testing were what we ended up playing against. Like, it felt like every team had a, a green-based dino deck, a vampire deck, and then some sort of, some two of the three Grixis color pirate deck was often the thing. Or, or, or a merfolk deck. Right. 
So the format felt, and a lot of those besides the ramp decks are fast. So I think the format is fast. And if your ramp deck wants to survive, you still have to have early game. Like that was the thing that we found in those decks is you needed to have two drops that could, you need, like Hexali's Diviner was great in those decks because you wanted an 03 that got you a land or you wanted a 1-4. Like yep, yep. You, you needed stuff to be able to survive until you got your 3-4 reaches out and your 6-6 six, six tramplers out and all that. Yeah. Um, so what was your, what was your specific pool like when you sat down on Saturday? So we sat down on Saturday. I was like really nervous. This is one of my takeaways <laughs> from it. Like, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, this is my first big like event and I really wanted to do well and I'm very competitive. And I think I sort of like forgot to have fun that day. Um, which is a, like, I realized once we like stopped playing in the main event and we played a side event and then we were sure. like sort of like joking around and I was like, Oh right. Like this is what it should be like. Right. Yeah. But it's tough when you like invest a lot of money and time into something you want to do well. And so I, I was pretty, I think I was like overly serious. No, I, I understand that feeling too, from going to yeah. GPND. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It was, it's a bummer. Like I, I hope, I hope I learn from it for whenever my next event is. Cause I definitely want to do another, another uh, team event, but so our pool that we opened, so the way it works is you get assigned a seat and you sit across from another team and uh, they open their packs in front of you. Yeah. So like you see there's no funny business. Then you open your packs in front of them. So they see there's no funny business. Then you swap cards with them and they register all the cards in your pool. Mm-hmm. We had in our four packs, we had not opened a mythic except, oh, no. for, over, except for overflowing insight. Oh no. <laughs> In our, uh, in, our, in our four practice packs. So we were like, we're due, right? We're due for a Planeswalker. The dude across from me, the first pack he opens to spread out in front of me has Vraska in it. Oh, uh, card's like, so good. I was like, you guys, golly, this is going to be terrible. So, uh, but actually the pool that we ended up opening uh, for ourselves was, I think, the best of the five that we had seen. Oh, that's good. So no, we didn't end up with any Mythics, but almost... If not all of our rares were playable, which is saying a lot in this format. That so is saying a lot in this format. We didn't get any rare lands, which is really lucky. And a lot of our rares were bombs. So we got like Burning Sun's Avatar, the red dino that's like a flame tongue Kavu. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Enchanting Melody, that's the control magic effect. Oh, yeah. Um, we had the that, oh my god, Sanctum Seeker. The oh, black, god, the, the card's the disgusting. Bio, right? right, so we had that. We had... The Merfolk Landmaker, the like two green, what is like Waker of the Winds or whatever. Waker oh, of the yeah, that card's good. Um, we had the Vanquisher's Banner, the artifact that oh, anthems geez. your team. Your pool sounds insane. Yeah, we had the 3 3 bird, the like pirate flash that like taps two things. Yeah. So, like, all of our rares were very good. So, like, that no sounds mythics, great. Like, right. So, our rares were good. So, I, I'm like looking at this pool and I'm like, I think this is the best thing we've seen so far. And Sam is like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like, <laughs> what are you doing like hyping us up yeah, so yeah. so our decks b- build themselves pretty well like our we we are able to build a pretty strong vampire deck which is where the vanquishers banner ends up going because in our experience playing uh the day before the vampire deck can run out of gas um so the vanquishers banner was nice to be able to not only pump up the one ones which is where i think it's best mm-hmm. but also to to let that deck not die in the late game if it gets there yeah we had a pretty like we had a we had the like blue green merfolk uncommon. We had some of the green uh, aggro merfolk cards, but not a ton. So our initial instinct was to build a blue green merfolk deck, um, which we ended up passing on to just build a like base blue aggro pirate deck with uh, a few red cards. But we had like two one with the winds. We had two siren storm tamers to be able to protect the things that had the one with the winds on them. We had like oh yeah, that's good. 
two of the Stormfleet spies that draw a card, like the three mana two two raid draw card. Um, we had like uh, I think two pirate cutlasses. It was just like a really streamlined aggro deck, and that's where the control magic effect went. And we had oh, we also had the Tempest Caller. That's the Merfolk that taps everything when it comes to yeah, play. Yeah, that card didn't work for me already. And then we just had like a like a really solid green red Dino deck. We had the Dino Lord that uh, six mana makes a three three Trampler. Um, then that's where Burning Sun's Avatar went. That deck also had Charging Monstrosaur um, and like a lot of like good green removal. That was what I was going to ask. I haven't heard you mention a lot of removal. Did your pool have good removal? Yes. So uh, we didn't. We actually didn't open any contract killings, which was a bummer. But the Vampire deck had a Pious Interdiction and an Ixalan's Binding, as well as a couple Vanquish the Week, so that was set. Blue-Red, I think, had like some Bounce and a Lightning Strike, I think. And then my green deck had a Savage Stomp, a Pounce, um, i trying to remember, the Burning Sun's Avatar, and a lot of good sideboard options. And that was one of the, the big takeaways. So you have to like register all the cards yeah. in your pool to someone's deck. So like I my sideboard was enormous because I was the only green deck, so I just had all the green cards we opened in my sideboard. Yeah. Um. So having access to all those cards really makes you think a lot after you play game one of your match, um, which I want to get to in a little bit. But I guess we, this is like a pretty natural progression to start talking about the rounds. So I have some some notes about each each round, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do it. Um. All right. So round one, I played against a Nio, Naya Dinos deck that had Huatli and Double Savage Stomp. So I lost in two games to that deck and I like felt bummed out because I was like, I was really high. I thought our decks were like all eights basically. Like I thought they were really strong decks and yeah, it sounds like like it. I felt like I played against a better deck. So I didn't really feel bad. I didn't feel like I made any mistakes against that opponent, but I lost in two games and our team took a loss for the round. So we started off the tournament 0-1, unfortunately. Yeah, that feels bad. It feels bad. It does. Like it just kind of sucks the air out of your sails. Right. Um, round two, I played three games against a blue-white skies deck uh, that resolved the um, oh gosh, what's that card? The upheaval, the one-sided upheaval. So which 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 of these three? Hang on one second. Which of these three decks were you playing? Oh, sorry. Thank you. I was playing the green red dino deck. Okay, green red dinos. Yeah, I'm trying to think of ma- from like, from a matchup perspective. Yeah, so I played the green red dino deck. Justin played the white black vampire deck, and Sam played the blue red pirate deck. <clears throat> Game one against the blue white skies deck. Uh, he came out the gate like really fast, like two drop, three drop, maybe like two two drops or something. I stabilized at six life, and then he cat he like top deck rivers rebuke. I like th- I thought I was turning the corner. I think I might have even been starting to attack with charging monstrosaur. And he cast Rivers Rebuke, bounced all my stuff, and attacked me for the rest of the six damage. So Whoa. nothing I could do there. Yeah. Uh, no. I won game two. And in game two, I saw two of the plus two, plus two to a creature. The one white plus two, plus two to a creature that gives a vampire first strike. Oh, yeah. Mark of the Vampire. Right. No, no, no. That's not. That's the enchantment. Oh, no. Not that's the, the enchantment. I think it's like uh, Vampire Strike or Zealous Strike or something vampire like that. Vampire Zeal. Zeal. There we go. God, we thank God we're not doing name that card today. <laughs> um, so I saw two of those, and then in, so in game three, my opponent was repping it pretty hard, and I was playing. I think I got this was I think the only mistake I made in the day, which is pretty. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. I think this is the only mistake I made in the day, which is I was playing around this trick, and I'm not sure I could have beaten it anyway. So I was in this really awkward position where they were leaving up a white mana, and they had a four four in play, mm-hmm. and I had charging monster sword, and I had pounce. Oh yeah. And so I really needed to, like, his 4-4s were the were Air Elemental and the Glorifier of the Dusk, the one that can uh-huh, become yeah. a Sarah Angel if you pay life. But it's you can't really, like, res- 
you know, if I go to pounce, I'm like setting myself up for a two for one if he has the plus two plus two. Yeah. And he knew I had pounce. I forget how he saw my hand or like, oh, I think maybe I revealed it off of an explorer. So he knew I had it. So he was just like leaving up one white mana, but ended up he didn't have that. He had a different trick uh, the turn after. So the turn where he was bluffing it, or maybe I don't know if he was intentionally bluffing it or not, but that was the turn that I think I might have been able to win that game. And that was unfortunate because I think Sam had won his match. Justin has lost his. I'm in game three of mine. Yeah. And I, I'm not able to pull out the W. So we go, we're, we're now 0-2, which is yeah, just just really tough. Yeah. But this is like one of the great things about the team event. Like if you're by yourself, that's really bad. But like, you know, like Sam and Justin are there to help cheer me up. And they, they did. So it was really great. Um, so round three, I'm against a red-white aggro deck. Really tough to figure out how to turn the corner against like the three five enrage the your your boy the uh, oh the bellowing agasaur <laughs> bellowing agasaur so like my opponents like attacking me with it they've got because they're white red they've got like some vampire tokens it's like I don't want this to die but I'm in green red so I don't know how I'm able to like get through this thing right but uh seven seven land from my waker and uh the five five bonded horn crest were able to like get through. I think he sort of felt like he was able which to ones, which attack ones which one's bonded horncrest oh uh, the five five four mana five five that can't attack or block alone oh yeah okay so oh i have i make it make a note for myself this is like the first time i'm reading the notes that i made i i said i wonder if i'm leveling myself thinking about settle the wreckage and bright reprisal um i like playing around them a lot but i think that like i like see my white opponent pass with mana up and i like I'm very, very conscious of both of those cards, especially... I think, that, I think you're supposed to be. Especially when someone opens 12 packs, like, seeing Settle the Wreckage is not crazy unlikely. I don't know. So in a, in a pool like that. Um, so, But I, I did turn the corner in that first game, and then my opponent mulled to five in game two, and I, I pull out the W, and actually all three of us, I think like two, I think me and Justin finished our matches first, but Sam was probably going to win his game two. So nice. We're one and two. All right, round four, I'm against white-black vampires. Um, I drew, like, the top half of my deck both games. Um, my opponent sort of was like, I feel like I could turn my deck face up. We could turn our decks face up, and there's, like, nothing I can do against yours. Like, right. he had the six-mana 4-4 four, four that you can rebuy from your graveyard by tapping three vampires. Oh, the Deathless Ancient? Yeah, he had that, and that was... He had that in game two, and I was like, oh, now, now I Now I see why you didn't want to play name that card. I'd have crushed you. You would have destroyed me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, why would I want to play again? You're the undefeated champion. I know. Yeah. Um, I think after every game in my matches, I sideboarded, which is not something I do when I normally draft. And I think that's partially because I didn't have access to, like, 40 cards to look at or whatever. Right, yeah. But I think one of my big takeaways is I need to sideboard more, or I really need to, like, not click through those two minutes as quickly as I often do. Because every game I was like, okay, I saw this, so I think I'm going to take out, like... I took out Bonded Horncrest a lot, the thing that couldn't attack a blo- or block alone against, like, tempo decks or aggro decks, and tried to, like, replace it with a 3-4 reach. But, like, in this in this matchup against White Black, I brought in, for the first time, the... Uh, I'm, again, just going to describe the card. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one in a green instant that says, when this creature dies, return it to your hand, and you draw a card. Is it, like, Verdant Regrowth or something like yeah, that? Yeah, there you go. Rebirth, maybe. Or Regrowth, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I brought that in against White Black, because I was like, they're probably, like... They're going to have removal spells, where they're not going to have, like... They have no way to blow me out with this card. Right. And that card, I think, four for one my opponent. Oof. Like, So they I attacked with Charging Monster Sword. He, like, lined up all his creatures. I put the two that I wanted to kill in front. So I killed two things. 
got drew a card off of it, bounced it back to my hand, and then Charging Monster Sword traded with two things again. Nice. So I was like, that felt great because that really did feel like the like a way that I got ahead in that second game. So game two, win that game. And again, I don't remember who finished first, but I do know that was another time where like felt like all three of us were going to 2-0 our matches. So right, yeah. we're, we're out, we're even, we're 2-2. So f- feeling better, but still like, you know, Sam's now like, we're 2-2. Like we just have to like, we have to 4-1 a five round league. And I was like, yeah, yeah we could do that. Yeah, that seems doable, yeah. That seems sure. doable when you put it that way, right? Yeah. So, because for, for those of you who don't know, you have to 6-3 uh, or better to make day two. So, round five, unbeknownst to me, we are playing against uh, a pro team-ish. Uh, I don't know if, how, how pro all the members are, but my opponent is a pro. I looked him up afterwards because Sam told me who he was. His name is John Stern, uh, and he's, like, been in, like, a billion pro tours. He's, like, won two Grand Prix. That's super um, legit. Yeah. So I played against him here. He was on a green-white Dinos deck. In game two, I got down. He was at 20 life, and I was at one. Okay. And I just, like, top-decked. I just, like, drew the cards that I needed to draw in the order. Like, unfriendly fire to kill his flyer. Then burning sun's avatar to, like, kill something and have a body on board. And then waker of the wilds just, like, got me out of the flooded state I was in. Um, just like kept turning my lands into creatures at end turn. And then I was able to claw my way back. He didn't draw any gas and I won that match 2-0. Yeah, those feel um, good. Which felt great, but unfortunately could not win a team, win, win out the match as a team. I think Sam lost and then Justin got to game three and multi five. Ooh. And, uh, and I think actually was going to win if his opponent didn't cast River's Rebuke. Oh, God, that card's so depressing. I haven't even played against it, and I can imagine how depressing it is. It's really demoralizing. You're just like, oh, I feel like this, I'm playing a fair game, and I'm like, oh, and no, I, I have not. Nope, I don't get to play. Um, like, that, why is that not mythic? Yeah, inst- instead of the draw seven cards. Right, exactly. Uh, in round six, uh, I played against a Grixis treasure deck that had Vance's Blasting Cannons. Um, I don't... This was our last round, so I, did, I didn't like immediately take notes about it, so I don't remember much about it, um, but I won in three games because of sideboarding. Like I brought in, I saw, I think, Vance's Blasting Cannons, and I saw, I believe he had the, the Fell Flagship, the 3-3 oh, yeah. um, vehicle, and so I brought in Slice and Twain for that to like blow those things up, and then I was seeing flyers that I had problems dealing with after game two. So in game before game three, I brought in Crushing Canopy, which ended up killing his Vance's Blasting Cannon. That's the, that's the one that can blow up a flyer or an artifact, right? Right. A fire or, or an, an enchantment. enchantment. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I blew up his Blasting Cannon in game three, which is, I think, what allowed... Like, he stopped drawing gas, and I was able to turn the corner. And then again, unfortunately... Came down to Justin in game three, and we was was not able to pull it out. Um, had a really weird situation where, like, we had to attack all out. Yeah. Um, like, our opponent was racing us. They, like, attacked with a bunch of stuff. We played anointed. They thought they on the crackback they were going to go to one, but we played. he played anointed deacon, which was going to put his opponent to negative one with the plus two plus O attack trigger. Yeah. But, like, we were forced to attack. And when we went to move to attack, like, when we played that card, his teammate... So in, in poker, there's a thing called Hollywooding, where like you like you're acting, yeah, like to like get your opponent to do something, yeah. And so we played Anointed Deacon, and his teammate goes like like sighs audibly, like ugh, yeah. And so we swung out, and then they played uh, the um, uh, Snapping Sailback, the 
Oh, yeah, five, yeah, yeah. Five mana, four, four, flash. So they were able to block, and so they weren't dead. And sure. then we were dead on the crackback. But, like, the energy that... The mental energy that went into him sighing was very confusing to me because I was like, we are forced to do this thing. <laughs> right. Like, we're going to swing out, so you uh, you have a thing or you don't have a thing. It doesn't matter. Like, anything sure. kills us here. So, True. So that's how, how we ended the tournament uh, in uh, in 2-4, and we dropped uh, and then promptly joined a, uh, a team draft. Nice. Which was my first four into team drafting, which we did not win, but was very fun. Yeah. I re- oh, God, I want a team draft so bad. Is it awesome? Yeah. Is it as awesome as I think it is? Um, I think in this set, in this set, it did not seem that awesome just because, like, I didn't find myself cutting a lot of stuff because there's not a lot of powerful stuff. Right. But it is it's just, like, another level of thing. You just feel, like, hyper-focused on the packs and, like, seeing what's wheeling and all that. Right. I think it would appeal to me a lot. Oh, I bet. So I just have, like, a few takeaways from the GP that I wanted to, to talk about. Yeah, what are they? So um, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. Like, I played very well. <laughs> and I say that as a, like... I cannot tell you the last time I played Magic where I wasn't, like, also streaming. Right. And, like, yeah, focusing yeah, yeah. on Twitch chat. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and so that environment of just being focused on the game, I was like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Like, so <laughs> I, all my attention is just on what decisions to make. Right, sure. And so when I say that, I think the only... And I do think my deck was the strongest of the three. Um, so I think I had an edge there, which is maybe like why my games like broke a little better. I also think we just like, you know, a lot of our matches went to nine games, which is bad luck. And we like lost the, that ninth game. Right. So magic is a game of variance, blah, blah, blah. But I think I just like my takeaway was like, I am good at this game and yeah. I probably could bring a bit more of that focus to my stream when I play. So I'm going to try and do that in the future. You, no, you are good. And like, it's funny too, to like say, you know, you're going to toot your own horn. Like, I think you're very, as a person, you're very self-aware. So I think if you, if you had not, like, you wouldn't say that unless it were true. You know what I mean? Yeah. There wasn't anything where I was like, oh man, if I hadn't done that, like the game would have gone differently. I was like, no, I like, I made the right decisions when I had the, the information in front of me, you know? I made the point about sideboarding again, but I think I, I just need to, I want to take more time in the future to sideboard because I've never sideboarded so much in my life. Like, I was always swapping out, like, one to three cards after every game. Well, I think you have a lot more in sealed. Sideboarding matters a lot more. For sure. It dra- well, or, or generally, you have a lot more options to choose from than you do in a draft because you've just mm-hmm. got a bigger pool and, yeah. And the other thing, so so after, so we went to, so we, we went to drop and then we went to go fill out the, like, form to sign up for the team draft. And I was like looking right over at the coverage booth, and I was like, "All right, how do I?" How, I was like, "Now, now that the, <laughs> now that the day two dream is dead, how do I get on the coverage team? Like, how do I, I tweeted? I tweeted for you, man. I know you did. So, do you know the 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 Marshall Sutcliffe coverage story origin? No, I don't. Oh, so he was just like at a GP, and he was friends with Brian David Marshall. And I don't remember, like know how they met, but BDM was just like, "Hey, do you want to come in the booth?" Oh, yeah, yeah, I have heard this, yeah. He, I think he's and, told this story on the podcast before. Right, so that's how he got started doing coverage, is, like, BDM was like, why, why don't you come, like, cover a match with me? And then, like, his, like, coverage career took off from there, because he was, he's great at it. So I was like, how do I do this? How do I get them to, like, take a chance on me? I'm, like, a partnered streamer. I'm a professional actor. I think I would be very good at this. I know You would be. Format. You would seriously be great, yeah. So... And this is, like, right up Sam Rubin's alley. He's just like, okay, how do we do this? Like, he loves, like, <laughs> he's always like, he's like, what's your goal with your stream? What's your goal with your podcast? Like, how do we monetize it? How do we he get, He does, like, yeah. He seems like a very, like, a goal-oriented person, yes. He's very, I'm always like, I don't know. I'm just, like, doing it because it's fun right now. Like, 
so anyway, so he was like, all right, how do we do this? So you're going to tweet at Marshall and Kenji, and then I'm going to tweet. I'm going to tell a bunch of other people to tweet it, and we're going to like, we'll all use the same hashtag and whatever. So, so we do that, and then I guess apparently someone wrote to Marshall, like wrote it in Twitch chat. Uh, oh yeah, on nice. The GP coverage like, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And Marshall was like, "I don't have any say over this. Like, Rich Hagen makes all the calls." Yeah. So, long story less long. I like saw Marshall floating around. I like went up to talk to him, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm like I'm Ethan or Lord Tupperware." And he's like, "Oh yeah, you've like I've been getting a barrage of tweets about you." <laughs> I was like, yep. Sorry about that. So I like, talked to him, and he was like super friendly. And he's like, "Look, I don't make any of those calls like Rich does, and so like you want to talk to him, but I would approach it like this." And it's just like I was so blown away by how like I mean I'm not surprised, but it was it was surprised. I'm not surprised, but it is surprising like just because so few people are like genuine and friendly. Like he took five minutes out of his day to just like talk to me about like how I should approach Rich Hagen if this is what I want. Sure. Yeah. Like that's what everybody says about Marshall, right? Like, right. I mean, I've never talked to him cause I was too, too, uh, cowardly to go up to him at GP Indy, but <laughs> that's what everyone says is that he's just like the coolest dude on the planet. Yeah. So I went, so then I went and talked to Rich, which I would not have done if Sam and Justin were not just like, he's right over there. Go talk to him right now. <laughs> I was just like, Oh no, I'm too nervous. It's like, yeah, it's like your friends getting you to go ask at a girl. It was exactly that. It was exactly that. So then I went and talked to Rich and he was like, there's no way, like, just like, like, legally there's no way we can get you in the booth tomorrow um but like what are the things you're interested in and like have you ever practiced this before and i was like no like not really (laughs) he was like all right so like go do that like record yourself doing it like either like record yourself covering a match with someone like if you want to be color then find someone who's gonna be uh play by play or vice versa you should do it can i do it with you yeah oh that'd be so fun so i like i want to like i need to make some youtube videos like that and he gave me his email address so i'll like send him the links to those i guess and then uh and then maybe he'll watch them i don't know that would be super cool but yeah so that was like pretty encouraging that was like uh, that has been like being a partnered streamer that has been a like pipe dream of mine i was like i think i would be really good at doing magic coverage you would be really good at doing magic coverage so and just the, the whole weekend i'm just blown away by twitch the Twitch community. Like, I went to a stream with two strangers. I went to a GP with two strangers, two people I'd never met that I only met through streaming on Twitch. Yeah. And, like, then I had this, like, pipe dream of doing magic coverage. And then, like, a bunch of people tweeted on my behalf that I've never met. Right. And, like, a bunch of strangers were like, hey, you're Lord Tupperware. Like, when I played against that, like, pro dude, one of the three people on that team was like, oh, I watch your stream. And then the dude next to him (laughs) on the different team was like, oh, I watch your stream. And I was like, this is, it was awesome. It was yeah, very cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. It was, uh, I'm exhausted, but it was a, a really, really fun weekend and I'm really glad I did it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Let's talk about some magic, dude. Let's do it. We're going to dive into Ixalan here. I've got one of my, we're going to take a seat at the round table here. I've got my very first draft here. My first pack one, pick one from Ixalan. Uh, we're going to see what you think about it. So take okay. a seat, my lord. Excellent. A throne, if you will. A throne, yes. All right, so first up, we've got Windstrider. It's four and a blue for a 3-3 Merfolk Wizard with Flash and Flying. What do you think about that guy? I think that guy's fine. Like, I, I don't remember what we had him in the set review. I'd probably put him at, like, C- minus at this point. Yeah, I think he's a fine curve topper in the Merfolk deck. Yeah, I think the whole cycle of five mana instant speed things is a pretty smart move from an R&D perspective because it doesn't, it doesn't give, like, new players the feel-bads, but as a, like, seasoned player... 
it feels like everyone gets to like, like the same information. Like you don't have to think about it at like two mana or three mana. It's just like, oh, they have five mana up. I know the right. things that they could have. Yeah. All right, next we've got Sky March Bloodletter. It's two and a black for the 2-2 flying vampire soldier. When Sky March Bloodletter enters the battlefield, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. You had this as your third best common. Is it still there? It's still there for me, yeah. Um, I know it is not for you, but yeah, I really like this card. I think it's like bread and butter of the vampire deck, and it is like probably just goes in any black deck. I don't think I'd, unless I have crazy pirate synergies, I just can't imagine cutting this from any black deck. Yeah. All right, next we've got Ritual of Rejuvenation. Two and a white for an instant. You gain four life. Draw a card. This still sucks, yeah? Yep, sure does. All right. Prosperous Pirates. Four and a blue for a three, four human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, create two treasure tokens. I like this card. I've only really had success with like a controly Grixis treasure deck once, but I really liked it in that deck. Um, so I look forward to being able to have this in the future, but it's not really what you want in an aggressive blue pirate deck. No, but I do think this plays a very important role in a controlling deck. I haven't had the opportunity to draft that deck yet, but I am on the lookout for it for sure. Uh, next up, we've got Opt, single blue for an instant, scry one, draw a card. The rest of the world seems to love this. Have you fallen in love? I have not. I don't get it. Like, I don't think it's a blue, a blue signal. I don't know why people in chat are like always wanting me to take Opt out of a pack. I get that it makes your deck more consistent. Like, you know, it's a very low impact to your deck, but... I don't really... I'm hoping to not have this in my deck. I would rather just have a card I want to play. Right. I think this is a fine, like, 22nd, 23rd, but it's, I don't think it's any better than that. No. Next up... Ooh, I like this one. This card has done some work for me. One with the wind. One in a blue for the enchantment. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. Yeah. So I went out last night with Sam and Justin, and we met up with, uh, you know, Ryan Sachs, who's yeah, on, yeah. on Twitch, and mm -hmm. uh, he writes for Star City Games, and I was talking to him, and he, I guess, we, I don't know how it came up, but it was like, he was like, this is probably better than Air Elemental, and I was like, that can't be right, and he was like, wouldn't you play, like, what if it was, what if Air Elemental was three mana, but you had to discard a card, and it had haste, and I was like, yeah, that would be great, and he was like, yeah. that's what this is, like, you're discarding a card, but you're suiting up your 2-2 on turn three and has haste yeah like, it's and great. once he put it that way i was like maybe it is maybe it is actually better than air elemental in this set and it's pro it probably should be cracking my top three blue commons and it might be um this card is just keeps going up and up and overperforming. yeah i think it's its own deck i think yeah i think like with the hexproof merfolk guy and even outside of that i think it's just fine to slam onto a two drop and there's ways to protect it with like the plus oh plus three and hexproof and the siren storm tamer the one and the, yeah and the siren storm tamer yeah it's great yeah i've already had i've already had a couple decks with i had one with four one with the wind build your just, own invisible stalker yeah it's great next up we've got new horizons two and a green for the enchant land when new horizons enters the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control and enchanted land has tapped to add two mana of any one color to your mana pool I really like this card, and I, I, I wanna, was thinking about it when we talked about it in the set review, like that, oh, I'd rather gain three life, but this does a kind of similar thing if you're able to go two-drop creature into this. It's because it sort of like allows your two-drop to move into turn three and four. So like it's like turn your two-two into a three-three. Right, so it's a more relevant blocker. Exactly. It's doing a similar thing as gaining three life if you're able to curve out that way. Um, so I, I do like this card, and especially in, in Team Sealed, I, in my the green-based jank decks I was running, or not running when we ended up uh, in, the, in the actual main event, but um, I, I, I like this card a lot. 
Yeah, I think it's got a similar role in the format to Gift of Paradise. For sure. Next up, we've got another good one. Mark of the Vampire, three and a black for the enchantment aura. The enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and lifelink. I think this card's good. card is very good. I'm glad that we came in high on both One with the Wind and Mark of the Vampire in our set review because they're still very good. I think they're even better than we thought they were because I think all of the cards are so bad that like yeah. using these to make your cards like into something awesome is just great in the format okay i'm not i'm not sick of magic anymore i want to draft Exelon again right <laughs> yeah uh next up we've got demolish three and a red for a sorcery destroy target artifact or land strictly sideboard yeah yep blossom dryad two and a green for a two two tap to untap target land this found its way into more of our team sealed decks than i thought it would it did That's not interesting. two of them sat in the sideboard um like when we didn't just because the green deck wanted to ramp or we the green decks that i was building wanted to ramp um so if you didn't get drover of the mighty if you didn't get new horizons then you probably had to grab a blossom dryad but it's still certainly much worse than both of those in my opinion that's what i would say too yeah and i, I probably am not going to be running I, I had not been running them in draft prior to that um but that's often to do with like i think team sealed gives you better things to ramp into so you're more incentivized to do so or in draft you're, you may not be getting those things yeah, next up, we've got Raging Sword Tooth. Three red-green for the 5-5 five, five Trample Dinosaur. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each other creature. This card is just very good, yeah? It's very good. I think I'm lower on it than I was in the set review. Oh, that's interesting. I am not at all. Why Why is that for you? I just feel like, I feel like it's just a 5-mana Trample 5-5, five, five, which is good. That I guess it's a, that enraged, the like, deal one damage to everything often does nothing. I disagree. It's just going to trigger your enrage stuff, and it kills your opponent's X ones. I know what it can do. Oh, that's so but good. But I believe that it often does not do either of those things. I don't know, man. It's going to like wipe the board against vampires, merfolk. I think oh. I I disagree. All right, that's interesting. Uh, next up, we've got Grim Captain's Call. Tuna Black, return a pirate. Then do the same for vampire, dinosaurs, and merfolk from your graveyard to your hand. Okay, this card is worse than I thought it was. I agree. Yes. Because of how tribally focused decks seem to be right now. I'm not getting a lot of like decks where I feel like I have more than one creature type. And it gets a knock because in black-based decks, you would much rather have March of the Drowned um, than this. Yes, I agree. But I will say, I think it does have a home as us. And maybe this is just from the Team Sealed practice, but I think it has a home as a splash in the green ramp decks because those decks often are cobbling together multiple things. And the ways you lose with that deck is they kill your win conditions or you flood out. And so this gives you things to do with your mana and allows you to rebuy your bombs. I think it's, I mean, I'm lower on it than I was as well, but I think it's fine. I've got it in, I've got a white black deck right now uh, that I'm in the finals of draft with that's got two of these in it. And I got cut out of, I've just got like lots of good white and black cards. Like I've got lots of great removal and lots of great cards, but I don't have any tribal synergies, so this is kind of like my payoff card for being not hard tribal. Yeah. Like, I've, I've got vampire, I've got, like, an even mix of pirates, vampires, and dinosaurs, and the creatures I'm getting back are, like, the 2-3 tap target creature when it attacks the hammer skull, or, I don't know, like, I've just got rock-solid cards to get back with it, so it, it I mean, it's doing fine in my deck, but I, I agree, we're, we were a little high on it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that sounds like white-black is a good home for it, because it, then you're really covering all your tribal bases. Yeah, I have everything except Merfolk. Yeah. Um, next, we've got Call to the Feast, 2 white-black for a sorcery, create 3-1-1 white vampire creature tokens with a lifelink. 
Yeah, this card is great. I think it's probably better than I thought it was. Yeah, I agree. Just because, like, I think the vampire payoffs are really real, and they're able to treat the three one ones as three individual things rather than thinking about it like you're making it's like four mana for three three lifelink yeah i think it really takes advantage of the fact that they're split up into three tokens yeah for sure and then last our rare is captain lannery storm two and a red for a two two haste when captain lannery storm attacks create a treasure token when you sacrifice a treasure a treasure captain lannery storm gets plus one plus oh until end of turn Huh, so what are the cards oh sorry i guess we talked about this so captain lannery storm is fine like i feel like we were we called this what a C plus in the set review. Yeah, C C plus, and that's that's where I'm at. Like it's good, but it feels like a common, not a rare. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so for me, it was between I was narrowed it down pretty rapidly to Raging Swordtooth, the red green dinosaur, and Call to the Feast, the gold, the black white gold card. Yeah, no. Com- what's the best common there? The Sky March Bloodletter. Uh, I think it's one with the wind. Oh, one with the wind. Uh, in my right. opinion, I think yeah. I think Bloodletter's close. Yeah, I mean, I I would probably probably take raging sword tooth over the call to the feast oh that's interesting i I thought from our discussion that you'd be higher on call to the feast i think so call to the feast is only going in one deck and you basically can only be white black. i mean i guess you can it sounds like you might have a white black value deck uh that you've got insight into but still i think there's like you gotta be basically the only vampire drafter at the table to get a good vampire deck maybe it can support two but i don't think so no i don't think so either so i feel like the sword tooth goes in more decks even though it feels like dinos is overdrafted like red red green dinos is one of the most powerful decks just because the creatures are all kind of poopy so when you get the big dumb red green creatures your deck just feels way stronger than other decks is what i have found and i also think green allows you to splash that it's like you could end up in green white or green something and splash the the red green whereas i don't feel like you have that opportunity with the white black card right that's interesting that's what i ended up settling on i i took raging sword tooth here nice yeah all right so uh, so I've got a bunch of questions here, like for me and you to talk about from the Great. format, just like that I've been thinking about and that people have been talking about on Twitter and whatnot. Oh, there's so much to discuss in this first there week, is. Ben. Yeah, there is. Uh, what are what are some things you've been having success with? Let's st- let's start there. So just a quick look. So I've done uh, 15 drafts total uh, this week, which is lower than I normally would, but I you know s- spent a day practicing sealed and then a day doing a GP and then a day traveling. So yeah. I haven't been able to draft as much online as I might like. And two of those uh, drafts were in the competitive leagues, if you can believe Ooh. it, right? where I just lit some money on fire. Uh, hashtag never again. <laughs> but I've been having a wide range of success. So my trophies have been with a blue-green ramp deck a red black deck with three uh lightning rig crews which oh that deck looks sweet which i can confirm lightning rig crew is real and it's like probably the riddle form of this set so like i don't imagine i'll ever get three again but the card is very very strong um i had a like insane black white vampires deck a very strong red green dinos deck and then i did get the a pretty bad version of the green black explore deck but I still was able to trophy with it. So no overlaps there. I've been sort of uh, a lot of, and that might have to do with a lot of this week in prep for the GP was my, like, I want to try this deck or I want to try this card and try and build around it or anything right. like see that. Right, w- see what's good and what, right. what seems best to you. To get a chance to play with as many cards as possible before uh, the weekend. But so I don't know if that's directly correlated, but I have had success with a wide variety of decks. And I feel like I've gotten to try all the, the tribes. I haven't trophied with Merfolk, but I've 2 one with it a couple times. So yeah, um, a lot of different things. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, I've also had uh, success with some different things. Most of my, I've draft, I've stuck to straight tribal so far. I've never splashed or been adventurous. I've been in, I start off the format a little rough, so I've, I've been in tryhard mode. Nice. Uh, in my first, I've done nine drafts now. So I started off six and six, my first four drafts, and I think I ran a little bad. Uh, got got paired up against a lot of the best rares in the sets in those first four drafts. Um, so I have three owed with Merfolk, which I can confirm is as good as everyone is raving about it on Twitter, in my opinion. I think blue-green Merfolk's kind of the new blue-red spells of this set. That's kind of the, the role in the format uh, Ooh, it seems to want to take to me. And then I have three owed with a really good blue-red pirate aggro deck uh, with two of the 4-3 looter that was an all-star in the deck, like the blue-red yeah. gold card. That, that card was great. just disgustingly good. My opponent put, like, uh, the pious interdiction on it one time and like it just looted me all the way through my deck the whole game and it was great that's awesome yeah so i've done those are my two trophies and then i've had three my last five drafts i've been to the finals i've had three finals losses one with red green dinos uh one well i don't know if my last one's a loss i'm kind of assuming geez that's awful <laughs> i have wow. a deck that's in the finals right now and i'm just Hashtag assuming it's gonna why lose. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh a red green dinos deck that was good uh and another blue green merfolk deck that was pretty insane that lost in the finals nice that you've def sounds like you've definitely turned the corner yeah so I've, i think I, I feel a lot more comfortable in the format um which brings us to our next question is is this format good or bad there are some pretty strong opinions on this on twitter what, what do you think yeah so it seems like most people came out pretty uh negative on the format like I, i'm such a sick degenerate with this game that i am gonna have fun like playing magic no matter what like the people saying like this is the worst draft format of all time or whatever i think that's far from correct i do think i'm a little wary of grinding 200 plus drafts of this which i'm going to do like if it's if it has longevity because it sort of feels like when you it feels like drafting mono red in cube when you find the open deck. Like I did a, dra- a draft side event draft today. I second picked um, Bishop of the Bloodstain, the uncommon that drains your opponent or they lose life equal to your vampires. Uh-huh. And then I was the only vampire drafter at the table. And so all my picks were basically like auto picks. Right. Like I looked for things that said vampire or I looked for black, white removal spells. That is not fun to me no. to draft. So I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to like figuring out the nuances of the format and like what other decks exist like the the figuring out how this treasure control deck works or figuring out this green black explore deck which i think is a thing figuring out the blue white skies deck which i think is a thing so so far i think good i'm just happy to have something new to play with right now but i don't know how i'll feel in a month from now how about you sure i i initially was with the rest of the world i thought this format was miserable after my first four drafts uh and i think i just got all of I do think this format has some like some bad qualities. One, one I think the draft is pretty high variant, higher variance than normal. Yeah, like like if you get variance. like if you get in the right tribe early, you get rewarded because I think there's so few cards that are head and shoulders. Like there's like a cut of like I don't know however many cards you want to say like thirty cards or fifty cards that are just like way better than all the other cards, and then it gets really flat really quickly in power level after that. That mm-hmm. like if you start in vampires, for example. And you realize you're not supposed to be vampires, and then you identify that whatever's open, I don't know, like say dinosaurs, and you move Mm -hmm. in. Like by the time you move in, pick six, there just might not be any good dinosaur cards left because all the like there's so few strong cards. So that that seems not great to me. So I experienced a little bit of that my first four drafts, and then I have my first four drafts. The board just clogged up horribly for me. 
Um, And I do think that's like a thing that can happen in this format, especially against vampires, because sometimes the vampire's deck can't attack, but yet you can't attack the vampire's deck because you're going to get cracked back for like millions of lifelink. So I do think the board can stall out in this format, and I think I experienced that a lot my first four drafts. But since then, my the gameplay has been a lot more interesting. It's been a lot more races, and like I had a lot of tough decisions in my last like five rounds that were were very fun. So I've come around on the format, and I've started winning a little bit more, which always helps. But I'm not on the form like I do. I I'm not thrilled about the format. Like I I think HOU is way better, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad format. I think I'm going to have fun playing. I've, yeah. I've like enjoyed my last five drafts that I've done. I've drafted twice today already, and I want to draft some more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds about right, you say. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the next question I've got on this list is, can you win with a non-dedicated tribal deck? So like, are you going to 3-0 a league without like having your seat be open for vampires, dinos, pirates, or merfolk? What do you think? Yes, I think you are. Have you Have you done it yet? Well, so do you count Green Black Explorer as a non-dedicated tribal deck? I do, yeah. Then yes, I have. All right, very cool. Yeah, I think I I think it's there, and I and I've done a and I guess I didn't I didn't throw with it, but I've done one YouTube video, and I had sort of a I basically did it was like blue black control treasure deck splashing makeshift munitions. So like that's not really a dedicated tribal deck. It's more like dedicated treasure control deck. But I think I think there's it, there's stuff deeper than just looking at the creature types in this format for sure that that can be successful. Yeah, I was it was interesting. I was talking to Ahead Dude, uh, who is on uh, Twitter and he streams now on Twitch. Mm-hmm. He's like rocked the competitive leagues in HOU. Uh, I think he was on. I think he ended up like the leader or second or something at the end of HOU in the competitive leagues. And yeah. he was talking about the competitive queues being like it being a lot harder. I think that's a big difference in this format between competitive and intermediate. That it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to get a nuts synergy deck of one of those tribes in the competitive queues because people are just going to move in people pick up on the signals quicker and you're not going to be the only vamps drafter or you're not going to be the only merfolk drafter like people are fighting over those cards because that is like it seems like one of the best things to do in the format but then doesn't draft like correct like draft is a self-correcting format so then don't you right like... right so i think he was yeah. saying that the format was in the competitive leagues just a lot more about like aggression and like yeah. less less about tribal and it has to be about aggression because the cards are so low power level, right? Like you can't rely on, and mo- and a lot of the rares aren't even good. Like there's a handful of bomb rares, and there's like some good uncommons, but most of the cards are pretty underpowered. Right. Yeah. So, and then one of the, one of the other questions I've got is is it like are, is that going to happen to the intermediate queues? Like as we go farther into the format and people learn what cards are good, like is it going to be harder to get like the be the only vampires drafter or be the only merfolk drafter and get like a really insane tribal deck. And I think that's probably going to be the case. I'm really curious to see how that pans out for the format. Yeah, I think so. I mean, do you, you remember when like you couldn't get a green deck in our devastation to save your life? Yep. Because you like, remember everyone that? wanted to draft it. Yeah. So I think that's going to happen. Like if, if people, I've started to try and I'm a little wary of Merfolk. I was a little wary of Merfolk for a few days. Cause like, it felt like everyone was posting three O decks on Twitter. I was like, this has to be the flavor of the week now that people are going to be moving in on this. Um, cause it looks so fun. It looks like unbeatable. It's my favorite deck to play by far. But if, but if three people at the table are drafting it, you're all going to get bad decks. Oh no. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be one of the only people in it, I think. Yeah. And even then you're still like, if my opponent, when I was playing Merfolk, if my opponent played a Plains or a Swamp turn one, I was thinking, please don't be vampires. Please don't be vampires. <laughs> please don't be vampires. <laughs> it does. You sort of mentioned this, I feel like in the set reviews that you were like, I wonder if this is going to be like a rock, paper, scissor format. Yeah. I think it might be a little bit. I think it is, yeah. Which also feels also feels like a knock against it. Yeah, and it's like 
you know, can merfolk ever beat vampires? Like, can vampires ever beat dinosaurs? Like, yeah, I, I've, I, I see that a little bit, but it still feels fun to me. I've already experienced a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and I do think, for whatever it's worth, that leagues, at least in the intermediate queues, I think leagues exacerbate that issue. Like, that you're going to yeah. be playing in the, the finals, nuts. like, people that got, like, nuts drafts, like, where that they were the only vampire drafter and they probably shouldn't have been the only vampire drafter or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Um, so how, how fast do you think the format is? Like on a scale of what? Like 1 to 10 or something? Like, like Zendikar to Hour of Devastation. <laughs> uh, I think it's like... Or um, I guess Amonkhet. Triple Amonkhet to Hour of Devastation. Devastation. That's funny how, how hard that format changed once HOU got added in. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like... I'm not seeing games end on turn six. Like, it's not Zendikar fast or Triple Amonkhet fast, whenever that, however fast that format was. But it's not, it doesn't feel as flexible as uh, Hour of Devastation. It does feel like board stalls happen a, a fair amount. So, I don't know. I, I would say somewhere in the middle, like a, a five on that scale. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little lower than that, but I think that's mostly just because the cards are underpowered. I think the format's rewards attacking but I don't mm-hmm. think the games end that quickly. I guess that's how I would char- characterize it. Yeah. So we've, we've already talked about some of these next ones on the mm-hmm. list. Uh, why don't we skip down? I I think we nailed this in the set review that cheap explore cards were a lot better than the, the expensive ones. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I want to give that mostly to you. Like, I think you really pegged that early, but I, and I have sort of just made a line in the sand for myself at the three mana cost. Like, Two and three drops with Explore I love, except for Ixali's Diviner, unless I'm trying to, like, not die in the early turns. I think Ixali's Diviner has, like, a big place in the the Dinosaur Ramp decks, though. I agree, but it's, again, it's low on the totem pole. Like, if you can get, if you have a Drover, it's like, you'd rather have that. If you have, I don't know, you might rather have a a 2-2 that can actually tussle rather than the the one four because when it's an you want it to be a you want it to be dune beetle when it's an o three that gives you a land you're not that psyched i've found but maybe that's just my my experience with it i don't know i've co- i've come up on the card since the set review oh nice uh but yeah the, the fours and the fives and the sixes are not the explore cards that i i want in my life yeah i mean i think you'll run some of the fours but i think that depends on like if you need cards that say pirate on them or if you need cards that say whatever on them yeah i mean maybe the menace one is okay but the haste one is bad brazen buccaneers come on it seemed fine to me and like in black red i faced down i really want to draft this deck and i haven't been able to yet like the the like the black red or the blue black pirates deck with march of the drowned like i think march of the ground is insane in those march decks of the Drowned is so good yeah and uh like getting back by like if you miss on that 2-2 haster like getting to buy it back and roll the dice again to see if it's a 3-3 haste is fine i mean it's not great it's not i don't think it's a good card but i think it's fine any other thoughts on explore there it's not as backbreaking a mechanic as i thought it was gonna be i I think i was like oh this this is such a good mechanic all the explore cards are gonna be super powerful and it just feels like you mostly want to not hit lands the one the one that feels the dirtiest to me is Merfolk Branchwalker, like the one in a green the two, two mana, one. Three, two. Yeah. No, no, the two the two mana two one. Yeah, that can become a. Three, oh, two. that can be yeah. they become a three two, but you're fine either way. Like either right. way, you just feel like nuts. Like if you you're wanting to hit a land there, and if you get a two mana three two, like yeah. it's still very good. And the the two one, the white two one first, first strike feels very Sunrise good. Seeker, or whatever. Yeah, and the black one, the Squire or whatever, the one in a black one two. Yeah, I mean the cheap ones. We, we are the un- the uncommons are good for sure. Yeah. 
but they they mostly feel like Tashana's Wayfinder. Like it's that's fine when it finds a land. The si- the the pirate. It's a it's a bummer when that's a one two flyer for three. I think. Yes. Yeah. I agree. But blue has a lot of ways to like bounce it or rebuy it. Like if you bounce it with the storm sculptor or whatever, then you yeah. can have a chance to get the counter back on it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so this is one I was wrestling with early on in the set, and I think I have my answer now. So my question for you is, are you supposed to, do you think you're supposed to force more than normal, uh, especially if you get a very good rare because the best cards in the set feel so much better than all the rest of the cards? Yeah, I think if like you open Hostage Taker, you're like, you have to play that. You're like, you need to play that card like 90% of the time or something. That's how I feel, yeah. So... Can confirm, I've already lost to Hostage Taker in two separate drafts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that card is absurd. Just because the, there aren't a lot of bomb rares. Like, you're opening lands, or you're opening constructed playable cards. You're not opening good limited rares. And I also think you are supposed to, like... I don't think you're supposed to, like, see if Vampires is open and then take Bishop of the Bloodstained. I think you're supposed to, like, take Bishop of the Bloodstained and hope. Yes, I agree completely. And I think if it's not, I think you're supposed to be very willing to move off of it. But I think you want to take the payoff cards like super, super, super aggressively. I agree. Yeah, I think especially because they're at they're at higher rarities, so you're not going to see them that much. Yeah. Um. And one one thing I've just kind of in my last five drafts, I think this format's going to reward racing skills. Like I've ended up when the board hasn't stalled out. I've ended up in a race a lot, and I've had a lot of very close decisions, and I think it's going to reward knowing how to race and knowing when you're the beat down and when you're not the beat down, um, and like when you've turned the corner, like if you've been defensive at the beginning, when you've turned the corner, and when you can switch to aggression, or how you can turn the race in your favor. I think those are all going to be big things in this format, and that is like when the board doesn't stall out. I think that's very interesting and something that we didn't get to experience that often in Hour of Devastation. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I had a lot of those decisions yesterday in the GP, like, because my deck was good late game, but my early drops were just, like, ramping or, like, blocking. And so I did have a lot of those points of, like, is this the turn where I'm supposed to attack? Ha- have I f- Do I finally have the the board presence to be able to start turning the race in my favor? And that is a really tough decision. Like, when your life total is super low, you're scared to start attacking i think it's very easy to go uh one more turn but that one turn can cost you the win yeah for sure the other thing i'm really curious to explore is how how you're supposed to draft this format when you don't get like my my drafts have all been so far merfolk vampires dinosaurs pirates like how you're supposed to draft when one of those things isn't open enough Mm-hmm. for your seat and how you can still like try to get a deck that's going to 3-0 or 2-1 and make it to the finals you know what i mean yeah like i think that's what's going to be interesting about this format once you're 100 drafts in or whatever yeah i think so too and what's ultimately going to determine like your win rate and how good you are at the format because everybody's going to be good when they get the nuts vampires deck or the nuts pirates deck. you know what i mean right everyone can see the text merfolk on a card and pick it for their blue green deck yes yeah and that will be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few weeks yeah, so we've, uh, at the beginning of these formats, I think we've got a tradition in the podcast of doing some rare encounters, some rare, rares we've run into that have maybe either gone up or down based on seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one for me was uh, Kinjali's Sunwing, the two and a white for a two, three flyer. I think you pegged this card. Uh, it My opponent played it on the other side of the battlefield, and I think the format's aggressive enough that Kinjali's Sunwing is just good. Yeah. It was very tough to play against, very tough to block, and it just really impressed me. Um, another one is Sanctum Seeker. That's the vampire. The what were you calling it? The uh, Hellbiter. Hellbiter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that card is just stupid good in a vampire's deck, and mm-hmm. I've lost to it. And it's pretty depressing when your opponent plays it and they're vampires. 
Um, and I think we kind of said that in a set of review, but I just wanted to bring up that that one was a little overwhelming. And then Sunbird's Invocation, boy, was I wrong about this card. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Is what? that the, so we recorded the Rare Mythic review Sunday morning. I went yeah. to a pre-release event and I opened Sunbird's Invocation and I put it in my deck. Oh yeah, you, I remember you texting me that. And the the sentence that I said on the podcast when I listened to it was, "I'm not going to be the first person to put this in my deck. I'm going to wait to see someone cast this against me at the pre-release. At the pre-release, yeah. Um, what do you think about it, Ben? I think it's. I was trying to think about why I thought it was good and why it's not as good as I thought it was. I think partly the format's more aggressive, but I think it's a little closer to Swarm Intelligence from the last set than I would like to admit. Yeah, like a very expensive enchantment that like yes yeah, warm intelligence when you play it and if you've got some instants and sorceries in your hand is probably going to win you the game but like so would like a six six trample for six mana so like yeah. I, I i played with this and i lost i lost one of my drafts because i had this in my deck i drew it on or whatever i played it on turn six and then drew like land land and if it had been any other card that could attack or block i would have won now if i drawn but like you just don't need to put a card in your deck like that that's that dependent on drawing other cards and hitting and i mean you can even miss after you yeah it's just not good yeah i mean like when you play a three drop off of this and you miss it's awful i think it's a very good sideboard card that's how i would categorize it now i don't know i still i still think it's like i mean and i kind of had success with it like i would put it as like a i think i I gave it an f in the set review i think i'd probably be up to like d maybe build around c or like sideboard d like it's good if you feel like you're getting to the late game and you need gas, which a green-red deck kind of does, like because you can get flooded in those decks if you're ramping correctly. So this sort of helps you, but it also is a do-nothing enchantment. Sure. What Have you had any of those cards you've run into? Yeah, so um, Settle the Wreckage, or Path of God, or Wrath to Exile, whatever you want to call it. Um, I came in pretty hot on this card. I think I gave it an A- in the set review. And I would go down on it. I think this card gets a big knock against it because of the presence of Bright Reprisal and of Slash all the other, like, Flash uh, tricks that exist at 5 mana. Because, so I I found myself, I I was playing against an opponent on Magic Online, like, on Tuesday or something. And they were keeping up their mana a lot, so I was, like, thinking about Bright Reprisal and maybe, like, I maybe wasn't attacking or I would, like, attack with a bad creature that I didn't really care about them like, they would get the two-for-one, but it was off of a token or something. Right, sure. And then eventually they fired off Settle the Wreckage. I don't remember what happened. And they typed in the <laughs> chat, like, felt like you have been, felt like you were playing around that the whole game. And yeah. I was just accidentally playing around it because I right. was playing around Bright Reprisal. Yeah. So I think this card is a lot worse it, it, for me. And maybe I'm now, I'm now too low on it and I need to come back up a little bit. But I think this card is uh, a lot worse than I initially thought. I think it's, and, and I, I had a cast against me. My opponent got my whole board of four creatures, but it was late enough in the game that then I just drew gas the rest of the game and still won. Right. Like, yeah. The pulling out the lands from your deck when you do get four or five creatures is a, a pretty big impact on them than being able to draw relevant spells for the rest of the game. So I, I would now probably be putting it closer to like a b b minus that's i think i think a b yeah yeah um jace is terrible yes i agree i've (laughs) played against it a couple times and beat it all those times and i don't want to talk about the streamer showdown but i did have it in my deck in that and it did not go well for me oh Um, no also if you do find jace in your deck be sure you play it pre-combat if you're going to plus because (laughs) i know the format has trained you to play your raid triggers after combat, 
And although Jace's plus is like a raid trigger, it needs to exist before combat happens. Did that happen in the streamer showdown? Yes. Oh, no. It's so unintuitive to me. I'm, like, trained to play these things post-combat, and I'm like, yeah, it's a raid trigger. It's plus raid trigger. (laughs) Oh, so embarrassing. Um, So that's how that card works. Uh, Treasure map is, I think, fantastic. Like, I don't remember what we graded it, but... I'm higher on it. I've played with it and played against it, and it's very, very strong. It's like impact. This is the the two-mana artifact that scries. You scry three times with it, and then you get to flip it into the land that sacks a treasure to draw a card. And I just think this card is really, really strong. Yeah, that's good to know. I haven't played with or against it yet. I've been largely unimpressed with the flip artifacts. I think that's the only good one. Like the, uh, is it the compass that searches up a land and turns yeah, into Maze of Ith? Thaumatic compass, yeah. Yeah, that, I played against that today and I was not super impressed by it. Yeah, it's, I, I think the treasure map is the only good one of those. Um, Admiral Beckett Brass, I don't think is that good. I think, basically, this, I think we were pretty excited about this card, but it's really just a pirate lord and... Uh, that second line of text is not relevant because if you're hitting them with three pirates that have they're plus one dying. plus one, they're dead anyway. Yeah. So you would just rather have fell flagship in a pirate deck because it's going to pump your pirates anyway and it's colorless. And so it doesn't force you to play all three colors the way that Beckett Brass does. Yeah. But those, so those are the rares that I felt like were worth like talking about because they've moved a bit for me. Yeah. Uh, another rare that's moved for me a little bit is the Legion's Landing, the one that flips into oh, Adanto, yeah. the flip land. First, I think that card's so wrong. Yeah, I think that card's very real and yeah. very good in Vampires. Yeah, and it's the fact that you can draw it, it can flip off, it doesn't have to flip off of this attacking. Like, you can play it late in the game and attack with three creatures and it flips immediately is really strong. And it just like, the fact that the vampire deck can really turn 1-1 vampires into real threats with Anointed Deacon or um, the 1-1 flyer that pumps attacking vampires, like, it's just a really good card. Yeah. Um, and some other some other cards I just want to lower my grades on. <laughs> Axis of Mortality or whatever. If I, however excited I was about these cards, I should not have been excited about them at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were trying to win. Axis of Mortality, that's the enchantment that lets you flip life totals. There's just not time to do that in this format. And I think... Boneyard Parley is another one that we were pretty high on together. I think uh, March of the Drowned is just probably better than Boneyard Parley. Yeah, I think it depends. Maybe Parley is more of a sideboard card if your opponent has good bombs to get. But I, I don't know if it's... Like, March of the Drowned is probably better on power level, but I also don't think that the two cards belong in the same decks. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Like, Boneyard Parley goes in a green ramp deck. Probably. As a, or as like a payoff a, there. I mean, maybe, maybe it does go in also, like, a, a control treasure deck. Yeah, at, at least at the moment, I'm on, like cabs strategy to borrow from limited resources like i want all of my cards to affect the board in this format so yeah i think all those clunky flip artifacts are going down a notch for me and uh sunbirds invocation similarly yeah just cards that are not impacting the board i think are Mm. a risk in this format and then i just have some commons that have impressed me or overperformed and some of of them have come up already we've talked about one with the wind uh march of the drown i'm madly in love with i haven't gotten to play that deck yet have you played against march of the drown much I've played a deck that had two of them in it. It's so backbreaking when you're when you trade things off and your opponent yeah. plays March of the Drowned and it costs one mana. Like yes. when they get two pirates back with it, they can often replay later in the game one or both of the pirates yep. that they cast. Like because March of the Drowned, I think we missed, or at least I certainly was did not consider how cheap it was when I was like in the set review. I was just looking at like, eh, raised deads aren't great. You know, like this doesn't it's have cycling. It's raised two dead. It's raised two dead. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and for only one mana, I think 
other raise dead effects in the past that have raised two creatures have cost like three or four mana and been like clunky and unwieldy and march of the drowned is like a corvette compared to that it runs yeah. so smooth and then skull skullduggery uh i've finally gotten to play with in this black white value deck but pretty much every time i've played merfolk or like an aggressive deck i've just thought if my opponent has skullduggery i get blown out here like the amount the amount of times i think that when i'm thinking about combat is just disgusting and you it's another thing where i just feel like i'm gonna be leveling myself this whole format of just like well how do i play around skullduggery because like you just can't you can't play around someone holding up a black mana the whole game <laughs> that card is going is is just very very difficult to to play around yeah I, well and i think the format's gonna reward but i do think it's important i think it's a big yes. part of the format i think i think skullduggery vampire zeal the one mana combat tricks and the merfolk one that pumps puts counters what's that called uh river herald's boon boom yeah oh you got there you nailed it um i think the format's really going to reward like playing those correctly and playing around them correctly yeah um i think those are going to be a big part of the format uh dead eye tormentor has gone up for me a little bit i think partially because of how good i think march of the drowned is like it's is pretty the, depressing that's the discard it's, raid oh yeah i should say that it's the yeah. tuna black for the 2-2 that discards when you yes what you just said <laughs> no, I don't need to repeat i'll it. say what the card does and then you say what the card does okay that's how we're yeah, gonna do it that sounds great we'll make the podcast twice as long people <laughs> think we're really smart yeah yeah partially because of how good i think march of the drowned is like it's pretty backbreaking i've had that happen to me in some games where they nabbed a card on turn three and then nabbed another card after they march of the drowned it back mm-hmm. and headstrong brute has also impressed me a lot in the pirates decks mostly yeah. mostly because like march of the drowned i think march of the drowned is like March of the Drown and Pirates Cutlass are the big reasons that Pirates is good. I think Pirates Cutlass also goes up for me a lot. Like, Headstrong Brute turn three with another Pirate in play, or even without, and then Pirates Cutlass turn four with a two drop, or even without. Like, just a five four attacking on turn two, or on turn four is really tough. It's a big boy. Yeah, you can't go overboard with them, though. I think my, one of my, I played it earlier today. My opponent had identified that Pirates Cutlass was good and had at least three of them in their deck because they had three of them on the battlefield. Mm. And I just, I beat them because they had too many equipment and not enough creatures. So I think, I think two is probably the sweet spot for Pirates Cutlass in a dedicated yeah, pirate I deck. I think it's like, if you've got like 15 or less creatures, probably one equipment. Yeah, that seems, yeah, that seems right. I think I might play two in a Pirates deck. It's very good. If like most of those 15 are Pirates, yeah, that seems fair. And then maybe if you're pushing like into 15 to 18, maybe you can get two Pirates Cutlasses in there. But I agree, like that takes up a real slot when you don't i mean it's the same way like especially because that isn't that deck probably going to have one with the wins too like you can't have all these creature augmenting cards without creatures right yeah yeah what else you got here uh thrash of raptors that hits pretty hard in the dinosaurs decks yeah i think that's one of the best best dinosaur payoffs uh for red that's the three and a red for the three three gets plus two plus oh and trample uh, mm-hmm. when you have another dinosaur and then jade guardian i think is its own archetype um even outside of dedicated merfolk i think the jade guardian with the presence of one and the one with the wind and mark of the vampire is is that's the hexproof merfolk the two two that puts a plus one plus one counter on a merfolk yeah um it's just disgusting and it's disgustingly good in merfolk with one with the wind yeah um i also want to shout out shout out to you so basically like the whole last week when i was streaming i just kept being <laughs> like every like i think three times a stream i would be like well ben was right about this well ben really called this like drover of the mighty is just absurd and you called that. But well, the thing I want to bring up as a common that has impressed me is Colossal Dreadmaw, the six mana, six, six trampler. Oh, yeah. It is just bigger than everything. And it having trample is so ridiculous um, because, like, that's the card that vampires really doesn't want to see when they're facing dinos. 
Right. Um, because you can't chump with your little 1-1 lifelinkers. Nope, you can't. Um, so that card is really, really strong, and I think is sort of the bread and butter of the, the dino ramp deck. Yeah, it's good. It's no longer in my top green commons. I do think it's very good, though, still. Uh, yeah. But I think it well, only it had goes no business, in the dinosaur deck. It had no business deck. being in your top green commons. But <laughs> let's, let's, let's get to that now, shall we? Yeah, let's 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 move on over there. Um, yeah, so my we're going to re-rank the commons here. My top three commons for white now are Territorial Hammer Skull, which is the two and a white for the two, three uh, dinosaur that taps uh, a creature when it attacks. My number two is pious interdiction which is three and a white for the pacifism effect that gains you two life when it enters the battlefield and then my number three is bishop soldier which is one and a white for the two two life linking vampire what what are yours i am not sure so i have the first the first two i think i uh, i'm with you on hammer skull being better than pious interdiction i am not sure about bishop bishop soldier over the i don't have i don't know card names card names are overrated the uh paladin the three and a white for the bishop of the bloodstained I think no, that's the black uncommon. Um, oh, dang it! It might be Paladin of the Bloodstained, but so the three and a white for the three two vampire that makes a one one life linker when it comes into play. Yeah. I think I have that higher than Bishop Soldier right now, but I think that's also like at that point, like pack one, pick one. If I had to choose between Bishop Soldier and that, I would take Paladin. So that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. But you're probably not doing that because you probably have a better option in the pack. Um, so then it's sort of curve considerations, like. If I have two of these and no two drops, then I'm taking two of the paladins and no two drops, I'm taking the soldier. But like, if I feel like my two drops are okay, then I'm going to take the paladin. Sure. Well, I guess I'm giving the nod to bishop soldier. I think it's good in any white deck. Like, I think you're just, it's just a good card. I think I was thinking it only went in vampires and I think it's like a two, two lifelinkers for two is just way above rate. I mean, I like the, I like the paladin, I the paladin too. And I in any white deck too. I think it can, but. I guess I'm on the format being pretty aggressive and me really wanting to hit. Yeah. Like if you're if you're not oh that's the other thing I haven't mentioned about the format yet. I think the die roll. I've never cared about the die roll that much. Yeah. I care about the die roll more than I ever have in this format. Like when I don't win and you don't play a, a two drop on turn two, it feels so bad. Yeah. It's tough. So you're and the the life link on this card is so real because of what we talked about with it being aggressive. So you, you might be right, and I'm I'm interested to check in on how I feel about this in the in the coming weeks. Yeah. What do you got for blue? Oh, so for blue, I am slightly different. I'm still, I still have Water Trap Weaver as number one, the two and a blue Merfolk 2 2 that taps a thing when it comes into play, and that thing doesn't untap uh, in its controller's next untap step. Mm-hmm. I have Run Aground number two. Okay. Uh, the three and a blue for the instant to put target um, artifact or creature on top of its owner's library. Yeah, that card's and good. And I am probably. I think it's probably just got to be one with the wind, number three, right? Oof, that's aggressive. I think so. So you you have Shaper Apprentice on your list, right? That's the the one and a blue two one. I do, yeah. I think that just like only goes in a dedicated Merfolk deck. Yeah, and one with the winds just good in. Yeah, and you, one, you could one with the wind is going in any blue deck, right? You're putting that in blue black, in blue red, in blue green, and in blue white. Like, it's just gonna be good. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, but you've convinced me. You don't have to twist my arm. I love that card. I know. That's why I'm surprised hearing you talk about it to not see it in your top three. And and I think we might get to a point where one with the wind is above run aground. Uh, I could see that being the case. I don't so think it's going to out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say why my... So my list is Water Trap Weaver 1, Shaper Apprentice number 2, Run Aground number 3. I've just been jamming Merfolk. I've done Merfolk 3 of my drafts so far, and it's so fun to play. So I think that's probably why mine are the way they are right now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
Yeah, and then on to black, uh, I've got Vanquish the Weak, number one, still. That's destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less for two and a black. Contract killing number two, three black, black, destroy target creature, make two treasure. Um, and then number three, I've got Skullduggery, single black, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one. Yeah, I still got Skymarch Bloodletter above Skullduggery. Uh, that's the, the three mana, two, two flying vampire that drains your opponent for one when it comes into play. And I don't anticipate feel, getting to feel like Skullduggery is better than that, but Skullduggery is very, very good. I think it's a really strong card. It's it's more than a combat trick, folks. Yeah, very good. Uh, and then red, I've got fire. I've joined you on red. I've just fire cannon blast number one. Most of these have been me changing to what you had initially. <laughs> what can I <laughs> joined say? With water, joined you with water trap weaver. Uh, red, I joined you with fire cannon blast as number one. I still have storm fleet, storm fleet pyromancer as number two over unfriendly fire. Four and a red for a three two with a raid trigger of deal two damage to target creature player upon entering the battlefield. And then number three is unfriendly fire. The four and a red deal four damage to target creature player at instant speed. So I'm going to diverge from you here. Oh, okay. I am going Fire Cannon Blast number one. Mm-hmm. I'm going Unfriendly Fire number two. Uh-huh. I think Unfriendly Fire is a bad thing for this format. Why is that? Because it really feels... It is it is ending so many games. It really is, yeah. It doesn't feel good. Like No, it does not. Like to, I guess it feels like fine to play, but to play against it feels really bad. And... You can splash it, and so like then you might like you'll get you might be even thinking about it, but not because you're not seeing like mountains on your opponent's board. It's just like Inferno Jet cheaper, but now it can kill something instead of having cycling. And the way that Inferno Jet was always something you had to have in the back of your mind, but it was only uncommon. This is now at common, and four to the face is just it's so much. So it is a lot. I'm I'm not crazy about this card existing, but. I am going to put it as my number two. And I'm actually going to put Fathom Fleet Firebrand as number three. That's the that's close for me for number four, yeah. Two mana, two, two with smoke breathing, one in a red to get plus one, plus <laughs> O. Patent pending. Lords of limited patent pending. Um, I, I really do like Stormfleet Pyromancer, but I be, be, especially because Unfriendly Fire is also a five drop, I think that's a knock against it because they're in such competition for an expensive uh, spell slot that I feel like if you want one in your deck, you're going to get one. And the Fathom Fleet Firebrand being a premium two drop that scales with the game, I think uh, pushes it up into the top three yeah. for me. And it's it excels in pirates, but it's good in any red deck. Exactly. Yeah, you're playing that in any red deck. Yes. Yep. It's the best red two drop for sure by a mile. Yeah. Um, and there's this awkward tension. I don't know if you've experienced this with the, in the di- just sorry to diverge, but I just thought of this like this yeah. awkward tension in the dinosaurs decks that I don't really like with cards like. Uh, Till and Ollie's Knight and like uh, the two drop, the red two drop that ramps you and gives them haste. Mm-hmm. And then like the white three drop or four, four drop. That's like the three, three flyer. If you control a dinosaur, there's yeah. this tension of like cards that are dinosaurs and cards that are not dinosaurs that care about having dinosaurs. So like yeah. finding the right mix of those, I think is going to be interesting in the format. Yeah. I haven't really seen like a white red aggro dino deck yet. I've seen like a white red aggro deck. But I haven't seen it like based around Pterodon Knight. Like I was so wrong about Pterodon Knight. That card is not very good, um, in at least so far in my opinion. I still think uh, Tillanali's Knight is is pretty good, just because a two mana two two is a good fail safe, and then when it's a three three, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely know what you mean of just like cards that care about dinosaurs, but they're not dinosaurs themselves. Yeah, I wish they were. Yes, I wish they were dinosaurs. That's why. Yeah, that feels. Yeah, it's hard. I think Merfolk and vampires don't suffer from that same 
problem. Yeah, for sure. So I, I was drafting a dinosaurs deck and I got done drafting and I was like, yeah, I've got tons of dinosaurs. And then I was like, oh, this isn't a dinosaur. Oh, this isn't a dinosaur. Why is that not a dinosaur? <laughs> um anyway on to green my number one is still tashana's wayfinder uh yeah, that's too. two two and a green for the two two explorer number two for me is deep root warrior probably as a nod to my love of merfolk uh, yeah. it's one and a green for the two two and when it attacks if it gets blocked it gets plus one plus one and i think it's just going in every green deck like that wants to be aggressive that wants to be aggressive that with, with that caveat i agree with you yeah uh so i guess there's you're thinking there's green black ramp decks and green red dinos decks that don't want deep root warrior yeah like i had deep root warrior in the deck at the gp and i i just didn't love it because like it's not like it it might be it's hopefully like trading early but as a late game draw it's miserable because like if i'm late game i want like a big bigger thing um so i'm not crazy about it in non green blue merfolk deck really or like i think there might be a green white aggro deck if it exists but yeah and just non-aggro decks i don't love it yeah, and then my number three is still begrudgingly pounce. I'm gonna try to move it off there by the end of the format. You pegged that man. Man is pounce not that great in this format. Like it basically only goes in a dinosaur deck because everything is small. So you're like two for oneing yourself unless you have a dinosaur to, to fight with. Yep, that's what I remember. That's how I remember feeling about cards like that that didn't give counters. Yeah, that's and crazy. and it's amazing how much better like the two and a green thing that gives a plus one plus one counter oh feels when you've got it. It, I mean, Savage is in the title, and it is yeah. really appropriate. Like, the fact that... But it's cheaper, because, again, that's only... I mean, that can go in a Merfolk deck, too. But if that's in a Dinosaur deck, being able to go one mana, plus one, plus one, fight a thing... Oh, yeah, that's disgusting in a Dinosaur it's, deck. It's a Savage stop, man. It is a Savage stop. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. I have Tishana's Wayfinder as number one. I'm still probably putting Pounce at number two, and I've still got uh, Grazing Whiptail as number three, the four mana, three, four reach. Interesting. I just... Like, that card, I don't know where it goes. It goes in the Dinosaurs deck, I guess. It goes like, in everything. It's a great deck. It's a great card. You just think that card's... I guess I haven't played, not like, a non-aggressive green deck yet. Like, and even in my even in my Dinosaurs decks, like, I've drafted red-green dinos once, twice, maybe. Mm-hmm. It felt like I wanted Thrash of Raptors at the four-drop slot and not that. Like, I guess that goes in a deck that wants to block or ramp I might be more. bad at evaluating cards in aggro formats. It's, it's something that I'm thinking. Like, I, I feel bad putting one with the wind in my top three blue commons. Well, yeah, it's it does not feel good. Well, I think that's partially goes back to, like, I think you and I both have listened to limited resources for forever. Uh-huh. And, like, I think that's a core tenet of, like, what limited resources teaches is, like, play cards that don't get you two for one. Like, and that's yeah. a, like, it's a very risky high variance card. Yeah. Like sometimes you're going to play one with the wind and you're going to lose because your opponent like two for one you or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's partially why that feels so bad. And I feel similarly. Yeah. But so if it's not Grazing Whiptail, then I'd probably put Colossal Dreadmaw there. But I don't feel like I can put Colossal Dreadmaw yeah. in there because like yeah, Colossal Dreadmaw is only good in a ramp dino deck, whereas Deeper Royer is only good in an aggro green deck. And I feel like Grazing Whiptail sort of toes the line between those two. And I'm like generally happy to have it in any green deck. Well, but if you're if you're ramping, don't you want to go like three drop New Horizons into like the six six trampler though, and just skip Grazing Whiptail altogether? No, but be, so here's the thing I think also about this format, which I probably should have talked about earlier. Oh wait, and I do. I want to talk about two other comments. Sorry, I know this episode is crazy long, everybody. Um, <laughs> the that this format is soft to flyers. I agree. And Grazing Whiptail really like shuts down your offensive flying opponent, like. That game where I was uh, 
down like down to one life against that pro at 20 it was a 20 life and he had a bunch of flyers on board i had three grazing whiptails on my deck and i needed all of them yeah and i just i so i think that's very good and so the two um the two commons I want to talk about, one is Cobbled Wings is good. Yeah, I think so. And I think is main deckable in this format. I agree. Just because you're going to get to those board stalls and there's not a lot of interaction with Flyers. Um, and two, I think Shore Strike is a very good card and has moved up for me and is, I think, definitely better than Crash the Ramparts. Which, so Shore Strike is the one in red, plus three, plus oh, first strike trick. Uh-huh. And Crash yeah. the Ramparts is two in a green for the plus three, plus three trample trick. And I think Sure Strike is much better because Sure Strike allows you to kill a bigger dinosaur, whereas Crash the Ramparts is probably allowing you to trade with a bigger dinosaur. That first strike is really relevant to like let your 3-3 kill a Colossal Dreadmaw, whereas Crash the Ramparts is not letting you do that without your creature dying. Those are two things I should have had on the list, but I was bad at preparing show notes. No, that's interesting. Um, shall we rank the commons overall? Yeah, I'm curious to see what you've got. Number one, I've got Vanquish the Week still. Uh, that's two and a black, destroy target creature power, three or less. Number two, I've got Territorial Hammer Skull. That's the two and a white for the two, three dino that taps something when it attacks. Number three, Fire Cannon Blast. That's the one red, red, deal three to a creature. And then if you trigger raid, it does six. Number four, I've got Water Trap Weaver, uh, two and a blue for the two, two that locks something down uh, when it enters the battlefield. And then... Number five, I've got Pious Interdiction, which is three and a white for the pacifism uh, that gains you two life when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, so I'm still on you as Vanquish is the best common. And I've got Fire Cannon Blast and Hammer Skull switched. So I have okay. Blast as two and Hammer Skull as three. I've got Weaver at four. The Weaver might be five. And then I have Contract Killing over Pious Interdiction at uh, Interesting. five. I, I really like the two life gain yeah. on Pious Interdiction. I really like getting a thing dead so you don't get to keep raiding with your two blue red uncommon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. But And pretty telling that green doesn't have any, any commons in that list. It is, yeah, for sure. That was a doozy. That was a doozy. Good place to wrap it up there? Yeah, I think so. I think there was like a ton of good information in that episode, though. Like if you've only done one or two drafts or even if you've done ten, like I think there's, there's a lot to be gleaned from these early episodes because you and i are both jamming drafts and we both are like obsessed and we want to learn as much as we can so we're like not only jamming drafts but also like reading articles and watching videos and watching twitch yes and like and and while i'm drafting i'm like watching skolar who drafted he played magic for like 15 hours today or something he's a man is a machine yeah uh every time i go into his channel i i type uptime and he's the only person i do that to because i just always want to see because sometimes it's like 15 and sometimes it's eight and sometimes it's two like sometimes you Mm -hmm. catch him early but he always streams for a long time when he streams yeah Anyway, uh, next week, we're going to probably dive into the color pairs, what those look like, and how to draft them, maybe what some signals are for that a color pair might be open, mm-hmm. uh, and take a, take an initial look at that. Uh, and as always, thank you to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Anyone wants to get in touch with me or Ben directly, a couple good places to do that. You can check us out on Twitch, of course, where they're streaming, uh, well, me almost every day. Ben, when he has a spare minute in his very, very busy life. But we're there at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. That's me. And twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. Uh, we're both both also at Twitter under those same usernames. Uh, and I also have a YouTube channel, so you can go check that out. Uh, the best way to find that is either the link on my Twitch channel or links to those on Twitter. But I've got uh, one Ixalan draft up uh, now and hopefully more to come in the coming weeks. Yeah, and if you've got any feedback about the show or questions for us, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. And we will also have the achievement list ready to go 
for the next episode. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later.